welcome to a bed. Right, hello, that was Black Smoke by Hannah Rose Platt. Hannah Rose Platt is here. Who are you? I, I would say I'm a hardworking daydreamer. Can you be those two things at the same time? Hardworking daydreamer? Oh, by the way, yeah, I'm wearing lipstick, aren't I, for this, yeah, for this moment? It's a very nice shave. I've had quite a hard morning and I've come to the... I had a shave, which isn't very fashionable at the moment. You're supposed to have a beard. Mm-hmm. Then I went to the gym... I haven't drunk a lot of water. I drank quite a bit of coffee and just eaten tuna. But I needed lubrication on the lips, so now I'm wearing this kind of lipstick. So what is the lipstick brand? It's Clarins. It's posh stuff. My my very lovely, older, posh, wealthy friend gave it to me as a present. So. Oh, so it's a good one? You're wearing a good stuff, yeah. Is it flavoured? I don't think so. It's, it kind of smells like strawberries and chocolate, but I don't think that's intentional. But you're wearing a very, very subtle shade of pink. Clarins. Mm. Clarins illuminate... Mm glass or something i don't know what it's called but it suits you it's working so what's your story you're obviously from uh, glasgow <laughs> <laughs> i wish i was from glasgow i love Do the you? scottish accent scotland are doing better than england aren't they really <laughs> yeah they are I, I love the drive up there as well. It's so pretty. So you're a musician, and what made you do that? What was the first thing that made you learn music and get interested in that? I was always interested in music. I mean, they have videos of me at age two uh, on a stool singing whatever people shout out, but like all the words. Yeah. Um, and I was obsessed with it and picked up the guitar when I was about five. My stepdad gave me a guitar. But I'd always the other thing I wanted to be was a, a writer, an author. I used to write stories and poems like all the time. And it never really occurred to me to put the two things together until I was 15. And then, that, yeah, a youth worker, actually, who came to my school, offered me this proper professional gig at this amazing place in the centre of town, but only on the condition that I wrote an original song. She was like, we don't have any covers. So you wrote a song at what age? 15. Was what was that about? It was actually about my mum. I know, it's really quick. <laughs> because my mum is... Does she know that, yeah? She does, yeah. It was... Um, so, God... Um, she was a young mum. My mum was uh, 16 when she had me. Really? Yeah. So it was a song for her about what she must have gone through to, to decide to be a mum. And mom. you were thinking about that at 15? Yeah. Why? <laughs> Is it because she showed you it was so difficult? <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think, you know what, actually, good point, because maybe it was because I was getting close to the age where she would have been when she had a kid. I'm thinking, whoa, yeah. how the hell does yeah. somebody deal with that and manage that? And she's amazing. She's an awesome mum. So, yeah. Our parents' point? generation, now, even if they're 25 the equivalent they're basically having children when they're a child aren't they really absolutely it's this big, big disgusting world you don't learn how difficult it is to mid-20s really do you no you just get get out of your hangovers and you know re- realise it's not all about you and all that <laughs> yeah what part of Liverpool are you from what is I'm from Kirby what's that about yeah. it's the rough part is it usually when I say I'm from Kirby people go <sighs> 
and you right. get those faces or right. you're not from Kirby I've had that only scumbags come from Kirby and that's like Liverpool people talking but to be fair I've had nothing but great experience there there's, it's like anywhere there's rough parts there's nice parts so quite working class very very working class yep yeah, and what? So, what was your school like? Was it because my school was working class and not very reciprocal to being creative? I was the weird person. I mean, I am quite weird, but at that time I wasn't. I was just into Oasis and Britpop and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think you had to be a bit. It was very. There's a lot of bullying and stuff. What was your school like? Pretty much the same, really. But yeah. I mean, I think you realise now how mean it is, yeah. right? Yeah, completely. When you're but a kid. but then I was quite lucky because. I remember having a really not a very nice time when I was in year seven and then I changed form groups to get away from these group of fucking witches. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was girls are even worse. Yeah. Girls are not nice to each other. No, not at all. Even any age, are they? Do they ever start getting nice to each other? I have, I have a group of awesome females, your wife included, that yeah. um, are absolute diamonds. But yeah, do you still come across the catty, snarky ones? What was influencing you when you started doing the music? Oh God! Everything from the Pixies to Tori Amos to uh, Alanis to right. Jimi Hendrix to Led Zeppelin to the Replacements, the punk band. Like my mum and my stepdad's record collection was right. just vast, and I was did not have to search for good music at all. It was just handed to me on a plate. On vinyl? On vinyl, mostly. What do you remember? Because I remember looking through the vinyl with my dad, and like I remember I was like 14 or 15. I was like, wow, look at this Roxy music cover. These girls got their boobs out. <laughs> what what like sticks in your mind? Oh, actually, yeah, the, the, the cover for Nick Cave's and the Bad Seeds, Henry's Dream. Oh, yeah. Does, yeah, reading, reading that, pouring over that, and also headbanging around the living room with my mum with bandanas on at about age five. Oh, so you're mates with your mum? Yeah, massive. Because you're obviously Americana, right? Have you always been folk Americana? Kind of, yeah. And I don't know why. It wasn't a conscious decision. I think, again, when I was around 10, 11, my stepdad got massively into the alt country scene. So bands like Whiskey Town, Jayhawks. That's cool. Um, Yeah, and that was what was going on. So they're young. Your parents are still like not even 50? My mum's 50 and my stepdad's 62. So it's a bit of a... That's cool. Yeah. So discover Whiskey Town yourself because they weren't even a big band. No. he Like I said, lazy. I was just handed everything. Really. But a lot of older guys, <laughs> especially, and people even our age will go, no, my band is the Stone Roses and that's it. And they, they, they support music and musicians like football. So mm. like, I'm a jam fan. I'm a Sex Pistols fan. You know, analogy. I'm a Libertines fan. Like, I think... There's a lot of that. So for your dad, what age would he have been to get into Whiskey Town? He'd have probably been 35. No, he'd be a bit older. Uh, maybe in the 40s, early 40s. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm still adventurous, do you? Yeah. Uh, do you listen to new stuff? I do, I do, but I go through phases where I can't, like, I have to have a bit of a music break, and then I'll get, like, I'll miss it so much, and then I'll turn to podcasts. Oh, you don't listen to any music? Uh, yeah, I just need to not. I don't know why, I think it's because just being around all the time tell you what we did i did do this feb which is a good thing to do yeah uh my boyfriend freddie uh does this thing he does every year for 10 years i think this was the 10th year he's done it mm-hmm. every day in february because february is cold and shit and boring yeah you do an album swap you choose someone and you swap an album every day for 28 days and the only rule that has to the only rule is the other person cannot have heard that album before Right. And it just introduces you to a whole new load of music that you would never have heard before. It's a great thing to do. Yeah, you That's know the end of the year list? Everyone, because of the 
the way the capitalism of it is all formed a lot of albums come out November, December don't they because they want them to be Christmas presents and to be eligible for award ceremonies and those are bollocks that's nothing to do with creativity so <laughs> you're kind of overwhelmed so I understand that in February it's like all these albums have come out in December and you've not heard them yet mm-hmm. so I think that's quite a good idea and in that period then what was good? Things that would have passed me by that I, I like absolutely love now and feel like I should have come across before like you know Shaka Khan one of the, my favourite things he sent me was Shaka Khan. Um, what else? What else did he send me that I loved? Ed Harcourt. Okay. I'd never heard. I of think I played with him. I, I think I played with him at the Stag. You probably would have. He's amazing. This this album from every sphere. I think it was one of those albums that I'm like, okay, life is going to be before I'd heard that album and after I've heard that album. Um, Which album? From every sphere. So you're mad on that album. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I don't know if it's a timing thing because sometimes you could stumble across things at the right time and obviously I had a bit of a we were talking about it before I had a bit of a trauma in Feb and that album is a massive part of what helped me get through it okay mm. that's good alright but we were going to play something from when you were 15 that got you into music is there any song how did you learn guitar how did you learn music and what were you kind of copying I learned guitar like at the age of five or six um, and I had a few lessons in primary school but it was like his CGNF and yeah. You play the Grand Old Duke of York and some other nursery rhymes, and then I kind of put it down for a few years. And then I just used to learn by ear, just copying stuff, copying my stepdad, watching him. He showed me a few things. Um, but I think if we're going to choose a song from when I was 15, I think I would choose Crucify by Tori Amos because my. Oh, nice. One of that's my, a piano song, isn't it? Yeah, She's but a piano I, artist. I loved it and a, a confessional I like lyric. I don't know much about her. She's, she's awesome that album Little Earthquakes was great and I stumbled across it like later it had already been out like years but my the youth worker that used to come to our school told me about this album you have to listen to this album and it was, yeah. it was a huge 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 influence every finger in the room is pointing at me I want to spit in the faces then get afraid of what that could bring I got a bowling ball in my stomach I got a desert in my mouth Figures that my courage would choose to sell out now I've been looking for a savior in these dirty streets Looking for a savior beneath these dirty sheets I've been raising up my hands, drop another nail in Just what God needs, one more victim I was just going to say, sometimes you dress more ambitiously than you feel. So if you dress theatrically or fashion-y and stuff, sometimes you don't feel like that. And that's what I've done today with the big glasses. With you, what do you wear for a gig? It's hard to decide. It's very hard to decide. How do? Because for me, it's like, right, it's going to be hot. But I've worked out recently that music and a gig, because it's always hot and there's always lights on you, you basically got to treat it like you're in the gym. So I... Thank 
jogging. I like that. But I wouldn't wear what I wear to the gym on stage. No. <laughs> But, like, I was listening to Born in the USA earlier, live in Hyde Park or wherever it was, in the gym. And I'm working out and it's like I'm in the band because it's all high energy. <laughs> so I'm not going to start wearing spandex or something, but what factors come into it? When's your next gig and what are you going to wear? Oh, next gig will be the first night of tour. I'll probably do my usual. I mean, I like to wear... I don't know statementy things. I, I'm a big fan of a, a, a statement kimono. I have a bajillion kimonos, cream lace one, black lace one, big silk kimono. Thing. What's yeah? So kind of like think Stevie Nicks esque poncho thing. Yeah, like long or sometimes to the floor, like yeah. in between a cloak and a coat and a dress yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Like that. So I usually but wear that's like, a bit hot, isn't it? Well, I usually oh, you mean wear like a silky one. Yeah, like a short dress, mm. then with something really long over the top and boots. Mm. Yeah. Because can you wear what you wear in regular life? Well, I, yeah, I tend to just. That's the problem with me. I buy all these clothes. I think that's great for stage, and then I end up wearing it every day. So mm. then the stage things don't feel as special. I think as an artist, you should wear whatever makes you feel ready to go on stage. Mm. Whatever makes you feel like, yeah, gives you confidence to walk out yeah, on stage. Yeah, you can't energy. be insecure on stage. No, you can't. I mean, I've done it. Mm-hmm. So if you feel comfy in a jeans and a t-shirt and trainers, then wear that. It's funny you should mention that, actually, because every time I play with a full band, always my musicians will call me up and be like, what do you want me to wear? Right. And I'm like, whatever you want. <laughs> whatever you want, whatever you feel comfortable in. Like, I've never really thought about it, to be honest. Mm. So you started playing music at 15. What Have you been in any bands or have you been in... A, how? What's your journey with creating songs and music? Well, I, I'd say I've always kind of done it to a certain degree. I've probably been taking it seriously for maybe about seven years. Mm. That was when I did I did an EP about right. seven years ago of five tracks. Okay. And then after that, I wanted to do a That's form. called Portraits, right? That's the album. So okay. the, the EP is called 1954 and Other Stories. And then Portraits, I went to Nashville to record right. completely by accident. Right. I wasn't really planning to do that. I went over there for a holiday and met a guy. We did a demo and we had such a nice time that I decided to go back and do a full album there. Okay. Uh, so that was like four years ago, five years ago. Uh, five years ago we recorded it, yeah, four years ago we put it out. And then, I don't know, it's just something that I just can't not do it. Mm. Really. You obviously like doing it. What's good and what's bad about doing an album? So the first album you did was in Nashville. Yeah. So we did it in ten days. I just wanted a snapshot of what I was doing at the time, to be honest. Which was different? Uh, slightly. I mean, it was still very narrative-based, story-based songs. Um, it was very exciting you know to have someone have that faith to want you to go all the way back out there you know and they charged me next to nothing and yeah. I had all these amazing musicians come along and do, do their little bits on it like a little bit of fiddle here a little bit of accordion there and they were like you know I didn't realise till about two weeks before I was going out that his pals were like you know Stuart Duncan who's Dolly Parton's fiddle player Mark Vane who's Cheryl Grove's bass player what? and I freaked the hell out <laughs> Um, and they were so lovely and they didn't really want any money I mean I think Mark Fain I, I forced him to take like $50 per track right. which is nothing you know right. and he, was in, he was only on a few yeah. and uh, they were really enthusiastic about the songs which gave me massive amounts of confidence so I came back and just kept writing and I knew with this next album that I wanted to be more band sounding a right. little bit more like the music I like to listen to yeah so um, that first album is, is there's not really drums it's, is it you and fiddles and Melody instruments. Very acoustic, yeah. I think there's drums on. So it's done a bit live-ish. Very. And it's great and it's lovely. And it, he, he, the producer said, I want this to be, you know, kind of like you in the room with your guitar with that odd 
featured instrument here and there, which mm. was perfect, and it was what I wanted at the time. Do you still play those songs in a set from four or five years ago then, and the EP? Yeah, I still do. Yeah, they're still in there. Have you got mm-hmm. a set for this tour? Is it always the same sort of songs, or do you mix it up, or what sort of... I always mix it up. Yeah. There's a few songs that I always play, but yeah. I'm no, I'm really bad. Like obviously, when you have a band, it's different, and right. I've, I've learned to be a lot more organised. But if it's me on my own, sometimes I'll decide like 20 minutes before I go on what I'm going to play, what I feel like yeah. playing. Yeah. Also, there's an element of reading the room and you yeah. know seeing what they're going to maybe respond. Like, to I you. can't open with this loud song because the, the act before you might be. Yeah, I know what you mean. Though. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, do change it up. There's a few sta- staple kind of numbers, but yeah, mm. try and mix it up. It's fun for you as well if you do that. You don't get bored playing mm. the same songs over and over and over. So you're from Liverpool. Liverpool People from Liverpool are pretty amazing, right? Are you the best people from the UK? I would have to say yes. <laughs> you're fun and happy. I want more Scousers in my life, actually. I'd live in Liverpool. Shall I do that? Why don't you come for a weekend with me, you and Em? Yeah, I think and, uh, I'll introduce you. Everyone, you, you can make a million friends in Liverpool. Yeah. I always say there's two things. Yeah. Two things that you need to do in Liverpool to get by and to be able to make lots of friends. One is never refuse a drink if someone offers it to you. Right. The second one is do not take yourself too seriously. Yeah, see, I don't. Mm-hmm. I find yeah. it a bit serious down here. It, yeah, it's very serious down here. I feel like I'm from quite a serious, cynical... Not background in terms of family, but just where I've grown up and that. Everyone is just so uptight, man. Yeah, I mean, I... I was, it was a bit of a shock to the system when I moved down here in terms... When did you do that? Eight years ago. Mm. Eight years ago, yeah. Do you like London? Do you know, it's funny you should say that today mm. because I've fallen back in love with it, just having a little wander around yeah. today. and having This is a nice area, though. Yeah, it is a very nice area. I do We're in London Bridge. I have a love-hate relationship with London. Uh, yeah. It's like, you know... For me, it feels like... New York feels like my girlfriend and London feels like my stepmother or something. <laughs> You know, it's um, it's a song lyric, Steve. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. (laughs) So, this album, I said it wrong. Letters. Letters under floorboards. Under floorboards. So I was going to say under the floorboards. Why did you decide under floorboards? Um, it's a line out of one of the songs. Oh, okay. Uh, and I, I wasn't going to call it that. Um, I didn't know what to call it, and then. I was going through lyrics because I don't like calling a, a, an album after one of the tracks because I right. feel like it draws too much attention to a certain song. Yeah. And I know that sort of does when you take a lyric from a song, but slightly less so. Mm. And I just thought, what's going to sum this up? And I was going through all the lyrics. Um, it's, a, it's a line from the track Your Way, which mm. is the, one of the first songs I wrote for the album and the first personal song I think I've ever written rather than a story song. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, so that's the difference with this album. This is personal. Yeah, there's a few. There's a few stories and there's a few personal. But everything on the album, like some of them are letters, some of them are stories. Mm. And the, even the personal things are maybe songs saying things that I've kept under wraps or hidden. Yeah. So letters on the floorboard seem to sum up like every single song on there. So that's mm. why I decided on that in the end. Who produced the album? How did you do it? Has it been easy? How long's it taken? What's the journey of the album? So it's I produced it with Thomas Collison, mm. uh, who's an amazing multi instrumentalist, and it took we recorded it. How did that happen? Do you know him anyway? Yeah, from the gig in circuit, really. Like yeah. um, he was in he's in a bajillion bands that I've been on the same bill as and liked what I was doing, and we had the same ideas about what what kind of sound I wanted and. And what is that sound? Americana, full band? It's kind of Americana, but I wanted it to be slightly grittier than the first album. So he's playing all the other instruments? No, well, me and him play most of the instruments, actually. Most of the guitars are me. Uh, I, I'm on vocals, 
pretty much all the guitars electric and acoustic penny flute um, penny flute yeah and a weird violin with three strings you played um, that yeah <laughs> And him, so um, he's obviously on all the keys, uh, bass, a couple of the guitars. So it was fun. We had fun. It was really, really good. And it took a long time. We we did it. You know, I think we recorded the first note in 2016 autumn. Yeah. Finished it in middle of 2018. So it was a long time. Two years. Yeah, and the weird thing is, there's a sensation when you create something then, because you've got the right, I feel like you've got the right intentions, you're creating something, but then there's this urge to tell someone about it. Mm. It's like a secret. It's very hard. And when you're mixing something like I'm doing now, it's like, it's you can't, if, if you don't like the latest mix, it's like something's fucked up about something really important to you. Absolutely. That's why it's taken long, right? Yeah, yeah, because everything's been so carefully considered, Mm. and everything's perfect on this album. Oh God, no, (laughs) nothing's ever perfect. But you've let it go a long time ago, right? I'm happy with it. I think that's Mm. the thing. I'm happy. Uh, It's hard to describe, really. I just know instinctively when something's not quite right. Mm. Um, Whether that be in the writing of the songs, the recording of them, the arrangements, or the mixing, the master. You just know, like my, my. I think my rule is like if I can listen to it and not go, yeah, then it's finished. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can now. I, I had that for ages. Yeah. I had that until this last album, the Rockabilly one, because I think it's my own voice. It's fun. What's your favourite song of people that you're friends with on the scene, like stuff like that? Ooh, that's a really good question. We'll play that and then we'll come back. I think it'd have to be Poets' Corner by Case Harden. Okay. Um, that's a very, very difficult question, but. Picao um, is just a fantastic musician and lyricist. His lyrics are just, uh, uh, you might have guessed I'm a fan of good lyrics and storytelling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's just phenomenal. And that song is just beautiful. Any Case Harden song, really, but I think, actually, can I change my. Can I change yeah, my no, mind? don't worry. Sorry, yeah. Still a Case Harden song, but I'm going to go with Fiction Writer instead of Poets Corner from the same album. She does the stars on the platform. Makeup on the train With a steady hand She draws up her master plan Then puts the brushes back again You can preach it like religion You can march it into war Drape it in a flag You can tell all the boys That it's a cause worth dying for So we're here in London Bridge. This is Clink. Is this what this is? Clink bars. Clink. <laughs> um, do you sometimes feel like, because I sometimes am like, oh, I don't know if I want to front this. Is the Savannah's good for you because you don't have to be the front person? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Savannah's is a completely different thing. It's yeah. just fun and it's more of a collaboration and feels like there's less pressure in some ways, more pressure in other ways. Um, 
I don't know. But yeah, I think yeah. that's how my nerves come out, to be honest. When I when I don't when I think, oh, I don't want to front this and I can't bring it and I don't have the energy. Yeah. That that's how my nerves come out. What's the worst thing that's happened in a gig? I usually ask the best first, but now we're on that. The worst. Um, What's the worst gig this, you've done and what happened? Well, do you know what? It's 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 an, well, I mean. There's weird gigs, there's yeah. worse gigs, and well, you asked for worse gigs, so the worst. Well, it didn't turn out to be worst, though, that's the thing. Mm. Um, it was probably when I was about 18, and I really wanted to play this club called the Zanzibar in Liverpool, where everyone was playing. It's legendary, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. The uh, coral and all yeah. that, the Zootons. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Great sound, great room. And uh, I rocked up to play the gig, and there was already a big giant queue snaking around the corner of really tall, angry looking metal fans. Oh. So I walked in, and attended out. Attended? It turned it out that I'd been put on with uh, two of the metal bands as the opening act. But to be fair, it actually went really well. I was very, very scared and I was very, very nervous. And I ended up, I think, the first song I played like a 16 bar intro because I forgot the words. I was so nervous. I was just like keeping the intro going for ages. But it went okay and everyone was really respectful and quiet. And afterwards, I had all these lovely big, you know, what I thought were angry looking metal fans at first are just big teddy bears coming up to me saying oh that was so soothing thank it you helps so you're a good looking girl so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure they'd have done if it was me <laughs> but it went alright in the end but that's probably the most nervous I've ever yeah. been yeah. ever and what's the best gig? oh goodness there's so many I mean and for different reasons as well but probably the most memorable one that shoots to mind was I played Nashville meets London at Canary Wharf um, what's the venue? Well, it, was, it was Canada Square Park, so it was yeah. a big stage with big wow. screens um, in Canada Square Park, and you know when you're sound checking, and like I could hear my voice like bouncing back of all these skyscrapers. <laughs> it was mental. It was so fun, and I was so excited, like walking up the stairs and big stage, and it was great. Your voice is great on this album, isn't it? On the track we opened the podcast with, I listened to it on the train on the way here. Thank you. You go to the higher register. It's pretty mint, isn't it? Yeah. Who's your singing influence? Ooh, consciously, I'm not sure. I've been compared to I've been compared to Kate Bush, which I don't hear, to be honest. So you've got quite um, a high range. Yeah, high and low. Kind of use it, yeah. Um, Kate few, Bush. few people have say Emmy Lou. But she has an idiosyncratic delivery, so I don't think you do that, no, do you? I don't think I do that, no. but you'd be surprised. Like quite a few people, like I've said that, and I, I don't particularly hear it. I think it's a range thing. Mm. Um, Emmy Lou, I get compared to a fair yeah, bit. Actually, you do do an Emmy Lou mm. kind of. Not you do it, but you have an Emily. It's quite a soaring kind of strong mid-range. Thank you. Yeah. That's lovely of I you mean, to I say. That's, 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 oh, that's I'm giving him is. a cuddle. So. <laughs> well, so we're going to stop podcasting. <laughs> What's your favourite song you've done? Oh, my favourite song. What's the song you're most proud of? Oh, the song I'm most proud of has to be Chanel and Cigarettes, and yeah? I think it's because at the time I wanted to kind of. I was doing things that were very delicate and very folky. Mm. Obviously, it was it was one of the first. Yeah, that's songs. a bit more bluesy, isn't it? A yeah, I wanted to write something dirty, a bit more sass, a bit more dirt, a bit more yeah. attitude. Yeah. And I also wanted to like write a spooky story because I'm obsessed with horror and all things a little bit twisted. Are you? Yeah. Okay. Weirdly, it always have been since I was a kid, and I'm also a giant wuss, so it's a really difficult way. To so you life. like being scared? I love it and I hate it. Like I don't deal with it well, but I really like it. It's weird. Um, What's your favorite horror film? Oh, now you put me on the spot. Probably The Shining, because right. it, it plays into my weird, deepest kind of fears about like kind of. As long as you don't end up with some sort of boyfriend that's like that. 
because that's the that's the, isn't it? he's a schizo isn't it that's the whole vibe well he's it's just about his descent into madness mm. it's it's very very scary we've all awesome. been there it's awesome so good yeah yeah um so yeah and i think it was just because the level of detail i had to get into the lyrics in a four and a half minute slot i remember like being on my yeah, own in yeah. in in my living room managing to finish it and you know when you like work really hard on something so much that you don't realise like six hours have gone by mm. and then I looked up and there was like no one to high five in the room because <laughs> I was so proud that I'd finished it so that's probably the, the, the one I'm most proud of well Dylan just does like ten verses didn't he or always did so how many verses does it have to tell the story it's two double verses and a bridge mm. but the chorus has changed every time to move the story along so that's how Fine. I got away with it I just did a song about my mate that passed away and I kind of had to fit in things that were real into the... And to explain, so there's a verse like... Because I, I, I had New Year's Eve with him and I said... And our wives were dancing around with each other and stuff and I said, if we were 18 and we could see ourselves now, what would we say? And he was like, we think we're fucking great <laughs> looking at these two ladies. And, um, but it's, it was hard to say that in a song. So if something's true and you want to convey it, especially with like a song where you're confessing yeah. or revealing something mm-hmm. it could be quite hard to articulate whereas if you're making it up I think it can be quite you know you have a level of distance you have one degree of separation between you and the thing it's way harder to write personal songs in my opinion and yeah. they, my personal songs usually take a lot longer and do you th- you find it therapeutic I do yeah because we both had the trauma this year we have of different degrees or whatever and by doing a song about him or about this it kind of unlocks something so have you had that Absolutely. Um, for me, a little bit of it is escapism as well, mm. because I just couldn't sit with the feeling. I couldn't sit with what I was going through. Yeah. And the only thing that kind of takes me out of the present sometimes is writing music. Yeah, that's why I I'd organised an album to do three weeks after it happened and stuff. But I had to do it because it's the best thing that gives me the most joy in a way. Is that what it's like with you? Absolutely, yeah. Mm. And it just, it takes my focus away. Yeah. I can't worry about... You can't think about it on stage. No, no, you no, can't. No. no, no. Definitely. So with that this year, how's this year been musically? Interesting, because obviously before that trauma happened, all the songs were already written, and it was quite spooky mm. how I almost... The songs could... become quite complicated. But I almost predicted what was right, going to happen in this right, song. So it's quite right. weird for me to listen to that album now. It's almost like I knew what was going to happen. Yeah. In those personal songs. Yeah. Um, so I found it quite... It's a bit Are you at peace with them all? With the songs? Yeah. I'm at peace with the songs, yeah. 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 I think I... That's too... too There's too light in, you know... No, I'm... Intrusive. Ha- no, happy to talk about anything. I think... It's a confessional album. Confessional. And also, I, I feel like I... Sounds a bit cringe, but there's some comfort in the fact that I knew I was helping myself mm. without realising by writing these songs. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. And I, my subconscious obviously knew some of the answers before I did. <laughs> mm. yeah. Do you believe in subconscious or like? It's a bit of a confusing subject, isn't it? Because if you think something's going on but you don't quite know, and you feel like it's in your subconscious, what is it? It's strange. I do think subconscious is a thing. I mean, I don't know if you do this as, as a writer, but. I often do a thing called like object writing or free writing and it's where you can go into a website and it throws you up a word of the day and you just free write around whatever that word is for like five ten minutes Mm. and I found these three different excerpts of writing that I'd done like a year after I'd done them yeah and the three different things were canvas that was one of the words violets and candle 
Mm-hmm. And I started off these passages writing about the actual things. And by the bottom of the passage, I started to come to the exact same thing. And I was like, how do you get from the, the exact same problem? With, right? But obviously my subconscious was trying to tell me there's a problem that needs to be sorted out. Mm. Because how can you get from canvas to and violet and candle to needing to sort out this big problem in your life at the end of the five minutes do you know what I mean it's very strange so you freely write whereas I seem to just write now when I know right I'm doing an 80s album or I'm doing a rockabilly album and it's like if you, it can be quite easy for lazy songwriting because you can be like, nah, that song was never good enough, so let's make it a joke. And, you know, I, I'm in that... I don't know, I only write a song at the moment, seemingly, if it's for a certain purpose or style. OK, yeah, see, I'm, I'm not like that at all. I'm the opposite. I just write whatever I need yeah. to write. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've had a thing where it's like, I get a line if it's funny, and then, um, like, I might have them in my phone right now, where I've just written something that makes me laugh, and then it'll end up a song... So I've got a band called Swimming Na- White Twix. I was eating a White Twix the other night, and I think it could be funny because, like, uh, um, <laughs> um, I don't know why. Because in the studio, I was going, "What do you think of a White Twix?" And I thought the question was, "Have you had a White Twix?" I haven't, but I really want to try one. Sometimes. All right, let's get one later. Okay. I, but I got an XL one, so I ate two ones that were like basically a foot long of Twix. Mm. But the Twix is quite cold. I quite enjoyed it. I like a cold Twix. Mm. It's one of the few chocolate bars I like cold. Uh, which others? Mars. Mars bars are good cold. Everything else needs to be dipped in tea. So what's your standard for dipping? Uh, what's your standard bar and what sort of coffee or tea is it dipped into? I like a Cadbury's caramel to dip in. And then you suck off the chocolate till you get to the caramel bit in the middle. It's amazing. So, and is that caramel f- refrigerated? No. Oh, so it's all quite That's gooey, that? Yeah. <laughs> Capri's caramel. What do you think of dark chocolate? I like. Oh, I'm obsessed with uh, dark and milk. The new thing from Capri's, where it's the milk chocolate and dark chocolate together. That dipped in tea or coffee, or gone all melty and lovely. So you recently met David Morrissey on the Boogaloo Radio. What happened there? How did you get that gig? Ah, well, it was weird because I met him at a gig. I met him at a Treetop Flyers gig. Yeah, I've heard he's a Treetop. Yeah. So if anyone's listening, remember Sam, the the kind of regally voiced guy who's in the barbecue sauce episode and talks about going on a date with a woman who's just had a bereavement. He's in Treetop Flyers, and David Morrissey is a fan. Something maybe about being fellow Scousers. We just oh, was he a Scouser? Yeah, he's a Scouser. So we got on like a house on fire really, and he he was interested in what I was doing. So, so what's he doing? He's doing all kinds. Still acting. Still acting. Have yeah. you seen Basic Instinct too? I haven't. Have you not asked him about it? No. Right, I want to get him on this podcast okay, somehow. He'd be the most famous person to be on it. Yeah, Basic Instinct 2. You not heard about it? No. So it's when Sharon Stone, Catherine Chamel, comes to England, comes to London, and she's like in the gherkin. I love Basic Instinct. Because like, if you're my age, it's the wank film. It's the <laughs> film you first liked, like wanking watching. So he, does, he didn't mention that. Yeah. What's his story? I don't know, I mean... Next time you speak, can you go, what's going on with Basic Instinct 2? Maybe record it and I'll hijack it and put it on this podcast. I will do that. <laughs> I'll do that. I'll get my uh, my glasses and my trilby and my detective Mac on and, and do that. <laughs> have you seen Basic Instinct? I've never seen either of them, no. I know. That's very steamy. Watch it with your boyfriend. Okay. Yeah. Okay, do that. Put that in the diary. It's about... Because I did a song... It's very self-indulgent, but I did a song called Making Love to a Murder and it made me think of uh, that okay. idea. So you don't know that she's the murderer. Well, you spoiled it for me now. I do now. No, you don't know that she is. No, you still don't. You will like it because it's not a horror, but it's a thriller. Okay. It's Paul Verhoeven. 
Verhoeven, who did Robocop and loads of slightly gratuitous films. There's a lot of sex in it. And it's obviously the film where she crosses her legs and you can... I've heard of that, obviously, yeah. No, never, never seen it. I know David Morrissey from the likes of like things like The Missing and dramas, like British kind of dramas. Obviously, Walking Dead and stuff as well. He's massively into music and massively supportive, and kind of uses his status, I guess, for want of a better word, to kind of help people and support. People. Getting into music, doing things that he likes. Yeah. Is he drinking the Boogaloo? You been to the Boogaloo? We just. I, I, oh, you were there for. To do I was that. there to do that. Good Guinness. Uh, I only had tea. I was a good girl that day. I only had a few cups of tea. So. So what do you think are the best things in life? Friends. Yeah? Um, yeah. Friends number one. Yeah, friends. Chosen family. Mm. Whether that's your own family or your friends. Together. Okay. Uh, people, definitely. People? Yeah. So you got faith in people still? Yeah, definitely. Massively. Yeah. yeah. You must know better people than me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that sounded really cringe, but no, that's the first thing that came to my head. Best things in life. Uh, chicken. Roast chicken off the bone. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Roast chicken off, off the, bone. the bone. Yeah. Roast chicken off the yeah. bone, not fried. No roast chicken off the bone. You know, like you go to Sainsbury's yeah. and they have the hot oh, counter. Just buy a full one. Thing of salt. That's good protein. Don't, don't even like carve it. Just like sit with the salt and pick Pulls it. Off. Salt on. Pick it off. Oh my god, that's when I'm at my happiest. So chicken is your number two yeah, behind friends. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Friends and family chicken. Creating something, no matter what it is, I guess. What is something people might not know about you? I'm very shy. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Mask it well. Are all performers quite shy? And it's a weird way of exercising that. I would say, yeah, well. actually, yeah. I'd say I agree with you on that. Most people probably... Ah, uh, not all. Some people I know are just mad extroverts and that's just how they roll, but... Yeah. Why are we so awkward? <laughs> British people. British, I don't know. You've been to Nashville, right? Yeah, it doesn't happen there. No. No. Are Scousers as awkward as the sort of these angry southern people? Definitely not. Whenever I get off the train at Lime Street Station, I get on a bus, I actually have a conversation with the bus driver. Do you want to, though? Yeah. Yeah. I know. So you know it's going to happen. Yeah, Here it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an inconvenience. And it's, it's real. It's, it's not forced. It's just you have conversations everywhere you go. Remember when I was having my really difficult time yeah. a couple of years ago and I went back up to Liverpool for a few months and it was just like having a giant hug. Why do you live in London? The friends I've made here now, the opportunity, and I love. I do love it. Is it a better music scene than Liverpool? I don't know if it is. I don't think it is. But it's, it's what I know now. I, I saw guess. young people going to gigs in Liverpool when I was there and I was like, mm. fuck, man. These people are going out and they're off the phone and everything. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess the, it's bigger and the, there's more kind of diversity here. There's more. There's a lot of different things to do. I don't know if I'll live in London forever, but I'm definitely not done with it. I think that's the end of the episode. Emily Moment, the legend, has just entered the facility, so we might do another segment. But for now, is there anything else you want to say? Has this been enjoyable? It's been so what should people remember about life? Um, what's your message if there was any message you could leave for the world if we're about to get apocalyptized have a laugh and be kind yeah there are still people doing that you are yeah can you tell me some people that are still being funny and kind most people I know good alright I need to hang out (laughs) with you more okay so thanks for joining us Um, bonjour from me and bonjour from Hannah bye bye R.I.P. Neil Casal.